<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Thank you for calling customer service, where we answer all your burning questions about brands. This call may be recorded for podcast purposes. Household name customer service. Can I have your name, please? Hi, this is Danielle Kurtzleben. And you have a problem for us? Yes. So I went to order Pride and Prejudice on Amazon.com. And I just picked one that was towards the top of the list. And it showed up at my house a couple days later. And it looks like you would expect a cover of Pride and Prejudice to look. Except it's huge. It's eight and a half by 11 with a glossy cover. You can't like one hand it like you can with a usual novel. And then on the inside, the typeface size, I swear, is like six. <laughs> it's very small and each page is full of it. I'm, I'm flipping through and it's like one and a half pages to a chapter, sometimes less. Um, but the funny thing also is that there's this weird little like medallion ribbon thing on the cover. And in the middle of it is an A, and around it is a bunch of Cyrillic writing, as if it had won some sort of Russian literary prize. I don't know. And I don't know how I screwed up, but that's, this apparently is what I ordered, and so this is what I got. And I'm wondering, how did this get made, and why does it exist, and does anybody enjoy this? <laughs> when this book came and you saw this uh, gigantic copy, what was your reaction? What did you feel? half amusement and half shame because like amusement because this is an absolutely bonkers book but then half shame because oh i've been had by a russian publishing house okay cool <laughs> well i don't know anything about russian interference in the publishing market but i think i know somebody who might can you hold please that sounds great from business insider and stitcher this is household name brands you can trust Brands you know, stories you don't. I'm Dan Bobkoff. Here on Household Name, we do a segment called Customer Service. We get calls from listeners asking us questions. Today, I have a feeling this customer service call is going to be a big investigation, so we're going to spend the whole episode on it. Stay with us. 
Okay, so I thought it was kind of weird that there appears to be some sort of Russian publishing company selling copies of English language classics on Amazon where the book is too big and the type is too small. But there was somebody I thought might be able to help me figure this out. It's Susie Armitage. Hi, Dan. Hello. You are a freelance producer. You spent time in the NPR Moscow Bureau. You speak Russian. You've reported all sorts of things in the former Soviet Union. And my question for you is, have you ever seen a book like this? No. Yet? And the first thing I wanted to know when I saw this book was, is this legal? Right. Like, can anyone just make money off selling bootleg copies of Pride and Prejudice online? That was my question, too. I asked my friend Matteo, who works in publishing, what he thought. So, like, is this fraud? Depends what we mean about fraud. Um, it doesn't seem to me as false advertising because Amazon— He reminded me that, like, if you look carefully at the product page on Amazon, it says the size of the book. It says the number of pages. They're not lying. You just have to be an informed consumer and not just, like, hit click without looking. But what they're doing is just taking the entire text of Pride and Prejudice, slapping a cover on it. Are they allowed to do that? Yes. Um, So when I was talking to Matteo about this, he was basically like, hey, FYI, Jane Austen died more than 200 years ago. So this book is in the public domain and no one owns it anymore. Right. The public domain. I guess we all own it. But that doesn't answer the real mystery here, which is why would what seems to be a Russian company be selling this gigantic, weirdly formatted copy of Pride and Prejudice. And? So I followed the breadcrumbs in the book itself. Number one, there was this seal on the front of the book in Cyrillic. And that made me think, this is a Russian project. But also interesting, when you open the book and you read the introduction, it's weird. What does it say? Okay, so here's the first sentence. Jane Austen is one of the founders of classic novels for women. <laughs> Does it really say one of the founders? All right, so that, that's raising some alarm bells. Her most famous novel, Pride and Prejudice, is rightly considered to be the masterpiece of the world literature. All right, so this is like reading a bad Google translation of a book? Right. And I've spent a lot of time in this part of the world Um, I've lived and worked in Russia and in Ukraine. I taught English for a year in Ukraine. And I would correct the same types of mistakes that you see in this introduction in people's writing all the time, right? Um, So there's no article the in Russian or Ukrainian. So, of course, people mix it up all the time. Uh, And this introduction just has traces of that speech pattern all over it. So you think this book is Russian? Sure looks like it. And at this point, I'm thinking, okay, maybe this was made for the Russian market. Like, maybe it's meant for Russian readers, not native English speakers like Danielle. So, Dan, I happen to be in Moscow recently. It's like snowing a little bit. And I started trying to find this book in the wild. Because maybe the publisher of Danielle's book, Strelbitsky Multimedia Publishing, maybe they specialize in books for English language learners or something. Yeah, so maybe there's, like, this niche group who wants to read gigantic books with tiny print for some reason? I mean, it's possible. So I went to a whole bunch of bookstores. It says knigi, which means books in Russian. Knigi. I'm not seeing any English classics here. Yeah, I'm going to go back. This is definitely a bigger bookstore. And I asked lots of different sales clerks whether they had any gigantic copies of Pride and Prejudice. They don't have large format books like that Jane Austen book. They just have um, 
Only small ones, she said. Like normal size books. But I had another lead. So I'd Googled the publishing company Strelbitsky, and mostly that turned up other books they'd published. But when I transliterated their name into Cyrillic and I Googled that, um, I got some more information. Mm-hmm. That's how I found the company's website, strelbooks.com. So was there anything mysterious there? Well, I realized why I wasn't having much luck in Moscow. Because I noticed that the logo on the site looked a lot like the one on Danielle's book. Except this one was in Ukrainian. So this might not be Russian meddling in the publishing industry. No, I was starting to think this is Ukrainian meddling. You're in the wrong country. Yeah. So I found a contact page on Strelbitsky's website, and I emailed almost everyone at the company, hoping at least someone from Strelbitsky would get back to me. And then I departed Moscow. So I'm on the way to Kiev now on a very old train. Here we go. I was in the third class section, which is basically an open car with about 50 bunks in it. In a giant slumber party. It has a very, very old school vibe. The toilet flushes directly onto the tracks. Uh. And they just close the bathrooms when you're approaching a town for sanitary reasons. There was this very ancient looking carpet running down the middle of the car. It takes about 12 hours and you go through two border crossing points. Um, So you get woken up twice in the middle of the night to show your passport. So at this point, I am really just hoping as a reporter that we can deliver some answers to Danielle. I would like to come back being able to solve her mystery. Were you hopeful? I would say I was a combination of nervous and hopeful. So it's 6.55 a.m. I have just arrived in Kiev on the train from Moscow. In the middle of the night, I realized that I managed actually to remove only one of my contact lenses and not both of them. So now I'm wearing one. So what was your plan? What I really wanted to do was go to the Petrivka book market. Yes. Okay, great. Exit one. Knishkovirinak book market. Got it. What is that? The Petrivka market is famous for basically selling all kinds of books. Um, but when I lived in Ukraine, it also had a reputation for selling things that aren't exactly legal. Uh, so since this book seems sort of like a bit of a knockoff, like it's completely legal, yet also it kind of feels black markety. Um, I thought, like, maybe this is the place where we would find it. I got on the subway, and I went down to the market. Let's see who has maybe, like, some novels. This also looks like... And I just start walking around anywhere with books and being like, hey, do you have classics? Yes, of us klasicki roman. Do you have Jane Austen? Do you have big Jane Austen? Have you heard of Strelbitsky Multimedia Publishing? And basically, like, no dice. No, Nobody had heard of them. Hi, hi, hi. excuse me. Do you have Big Jane Austen? <laughs> okay, he's saying they don't have classic novels. It's, like, down further. There's plenty of regular Jane Austen, um, very similar to the books that I had seen in bookstores in Moscow, like annotated versions or you know I asked one lady and she's like no I carry like I carry books from England I sell nice nice copies oh, some kids books here in Russian and Ukrainian nice quality so what you're learning here is that big Jane Austen is not a thing 
No. My original theory was like, Big Jane Austen is a thing designed for Russian speakers in this local market. And I was quickly finding out, like, if they're trying to sell to the local market, well, they're not in this market, which is the go-to place in Kiev for people who want to buy books in English. So who is this book actually for then? I had the same question. So I went to visit a different Ukrainian publisher. Her name is Bogdana Pavlichko. She's a respected publisher of English-language books. Maybe she knew what was up. She actually had me over to her house. Hi. Hi. <laughs> nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you, too. I am immediately struck by these floor-to-ceiling bookshelves. Um, it's just like this gorgeous apartment filled and filled and filled with books. And then we go into another room, and we sit down, and we start talking, and there's just like another table stacked with books. So, like, she's a book person. I think she knows what she's talking about. And then we sit down, and I showed her these pictures of Danielle's copy of Pride and Prejudice. Um, like, can you just read a little bit of this? Jane Austen is one of the founders of classic novels for women. She starts reading that wacky intro, and her face kind of scrunches up. Elizabeth, who managed to correct the mistake of Pride and Prejudice. Wow, this is, this is the worst piece of text ever written. It's totally Ukrainian. It just looks so tacky, to tell you the truth. I think it, it looks really kooky, you know, to be this publisher in Ukraine who just makes these really ugly, weird, you know, Jane Austen. I mean, just cla- like reprints classics with tiny font and horrible illustrations. It's just so nuts. So she seems like she knows what's going on in the Ukrainian publishing world. Uh, what does she know about Strzelbytsky? Not a lot. She's never heard of them. I really, I don't know who this is. Do they make money off of it? One of Ukraine's most prominent publishers of English language books didn't have many clues for me. But when I checked my email, I hit a message from a guy named Vitaly Lukanyenka, the editor-in-chief of Strzelbytsky Multimedia Publishing. And the subject line was, meeting at the publishing house. Wait, is this the guy who made Danielle's book? Yep. I found him. All right, that's coming up after the break. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. We're back, and let's check in with Danielle on the phone. 
If you had to just sort of imagine, who do you think is behind this? What kind of person? <laughs> oh, gosh. It, I mean, no matter what, it's going to be unkind because I'm so annoyed at them. I, 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 I haven't a clue, honestly. <laughs> if you had to do like a police sketch, <laughs> would you imagine like a lair somewhere? Or is this like... <laughs> Sitting in a warehouse surrounded by remaindered books, just rubbing themselves in money because they're so, I don't know, they're just swimming in cash Scrooge McDuck style for their Amazon <laughs> earnings. I don't, I, I don't know. I also want to know how lucrative this is, speaking of which. Is this giving this person, you know, mega bucks or is this just a side hustle? Well, we can answer all that. Oh, my God. That's awesome. The day of the big interview, I met up with Oksana Parafinyuk. Uh, Oksana Parafinyuk, and I'm uh, a translator. And where are we going right now? We are going to the publisher who uh, published uh, the Jane Austen book that this whole story is about. <laughs> Oksana's from Ukraine, and she was going to help translate the interview with Vitaly Lukanenka. My Russian is pretty good, but I wanted to make sure I understood everything. So Oksana and I grabbed a cappuccino and a muffin, and I kind of got her take. And when I saw the size and the quality of paper and the quality of font, I was just amazed how this is actually being sold on Amazon or anywhere at all. (laughs) We're about to finally meet the man behind Big Jane Austen, and it's a little weird. Like, how do you just ask someone, hey, what is the deal with this weird book that you made? I'm actually curious if they do publish some better quality books. It will be just interesting to see that they, like on purpose, choose the way they publish certain books. Should we walk? All right. We walked over there. Their office is in an apartment building above a hot yoga studio. It's a nice area. Hot yoga? (laughs) It's like pretty, you know, it's not very nefarious. And we walked up a flight of stairs, and we rang the bell. And a woman answered the door. Oksana said, we are here for Vitaly Lukanenko. And then he came to the door and welcomed us in. Did you feel like you're meeting a scammer? No. Um, he's actually really nice. He was super happy to see us. He's a middle-aged guy. He's got glasses and a mustache. So he's taking our coats. He was wearing a bright orange sweatshirt and jeans that day, and he invites us into his office, and we sit down. There's a little side table. Um, It has a vase on it and this sort of, like, small framed religious icon. Actually sitting in front of this guy, it seemed pretty clear he's not, like, this evil trickster trying to scam Americans out of their money. So I didn't go all 60 minutes on him. But I did show him Danielle's book. Mm -hmm. Um, Can I show you a book, actually— I think a friend of mine bought one of your books on Amazon in English. Can I show it to you, the one that she received? Yes. Um, So this is the copy of the book that she received. Pride and Prejustice. Yeah. Do you recognize it? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. I tell him about how this book showed up at the top of Danielle's Amazon results and how when it came in the mail, she was surprised. Um, So... She bought your book just because it was one of the top um, first choices on Amazon, and I think she wasn't looking for any particular edition. Um, Her goal was just to buy a copy of the book. And um, this is the one that she received, and she was a little bit surprised at how big it is. 
Um, and then how inside, let me see if we can get inside. Um, inside the text is kind of small. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm kind of just curious, um, what's your goal in making this book and like the design the way that it is? В данном случае это издание для читателей с молодыми глазами и с острым зрением, но с худым карманом. In this case, this, uh, uh, this publication, this book, is for readers with uh, young eyes, sharp vision, but thin pocket. <laughs> what did he say? He said it's for readers with young eyes, sharp vision, and thin pockets. That's like quite a slogan. <laughs> and after I asked Vitaly about this, he turned to his colleague Andre, who runs the business side of things, and was sitting in on the interview. Yes. It's a little bit hard to read. Uh, what do you think? Would you be able to read this book yourself? So Andre basically says, with difficulty, but you can read it. So wait, I'm a little confused here. Did Strobitsky Publishing want the book to look like this? So Vitaly told me a couple of things in this interview which answered a lot of Danielle's questions. First of all, selling gigantic, unreadable copies of Jane Austen is not Strobitsky's long-term business plan. Right now, they make e-books in a bunch of languages, including Ukrainian, Russian, German, English, even Yakut, which is a language spoken in a very remote part of Siberia, which I think is kind of cool. And now they're looking to expand further to an even bigger consumer base. How do they do that? Well, this is kind of like a duh moment, maybe, for us as Americans, but... If you want to sell a lot of books, you should probably sell books in a language more widely spoken than Ukrainian or Russian. So they started branching into English. And, I mean, where better to start than with a classic? A book you know English readers will love. Pride and Prejudice, bestseller for, for generations. It is also free and in the public domain. Hmm. So the bigger is the font, the more pages will be. So, and the more pages, the more expensive book is. And the smaller is the font, the less expensive it will be because then it's going to be less pages in the book. And if, if I increased uh, the font even more, uh, the price will be $7, and then it will be really hard for us to sell it. Oh, so the book is cheaper to produce if it has fewer pages. It doesn't matter how big those pages are, so he has every incentive just to have as few pages as possible. Right. So how did Danielle end up with a copy of this book? So here is the other big reveal. Uh, Vitaly and Strelbitsky are using Amazon's self-publishing system. Wait, so you can self-publish directly on Amazon? Yeah, totally. So there's an interface on Amazon where anyone can make a book. So Strelbitsky has basically just been finding the text of English classics in the public domain online and then literally cutting and pasting it into Amazon's book publishing feature. And I think you could say they're experimenting with the format of these books. Hmm, maybe we'll try a tiny font edition. Yeah, or like a gigantic page edition. I'm wondering, so like I know that the text is in the public domain and you're kind of optimizing like for size and figuring out the design. Um, the person I know who bought this book with tiny, tiny font, um, I think she felt kind of a little bit tricked. Um, she didn't, I don't think that she looked inside in the image. She just kind of bought. But I think she felt a little bit like, 
she bought some sort of product and it was a big surprise. So I'm wondering if you, if you feel like, uh, it's an honest way to do business or what you might say in response to someone who thinks you're kind of ripping people off with these classics. Okay. So at first we didn't really see how it looks, uh, how this book looks and printed because it's printed in the U.S. But then when we saw it, we understood. So they, they don't receive, like someone bought this book, but they didn't receive it here. So basically what they're telling me is that because they're using Amazon's self-publishing system uh, or print-on-demand, a book only gets made when somebody like Danielle buys one. Oh, so it's not like they have stacks and stacks of big Jane Austen in a warehouse somewhere. No, uh, they don't. So if nobody buys a copy online, like, no books actually get printed. Um, Also, Vitaly said the book looked kind of different on his computer screen, so he didn't quite know what he was making. And because of the way that Amazon's self-publishing system works, he wouldn't have actually seen a physical copy of that book before it went on sale. So are they making tons of money off these bootleg copies of Jane Austen novels? So here are the economics. Let's break it down. They got the text for free because it's in the public domain. Um, They said they get it from, like, some websites on the Internet. They didn't say what, but um, you can get public domain text on a site called Project Gutenberg, um, probably elsewhere. They paid someone to illustrate the cover. They said it costs about $3 to print the book. um, And then they spend about $1.50 or $2 to advertise the book. Oh, so that's why it's at the top of the search results. Yeah, so that advertisement, you'll see... The search results, it says sponsored. So actually, as a consumer, you can see that somebody has has pushed it to the top. Um, but yeah, they pay for ads to move their product to the top of the search results where people like Danielle will see it. So that's maybe around $5 in costs when you factor in printing costs and advertising. Um, then that book sells for about $10. Which is like not that cheap for a like weird copy of Jane Austen. Yeah. Okay, and then Amazon takes a cut. Uh, So in the end, um, they said that basically the company takes home 30 to 50 cents per book. Which is not a lot of money after all that. It's really not. Um, And I guess that's part of why I left this interview feeling like Vitaly and Strelbitsky aren't the villains here. Amazon is a big part of the problem. It allows pretty much anyone to sell classics like this, and then it lumps all the customer reviews together, so it's hard to tell what's a good copy and what's not. Also, Strelbitsky agrees with Danielle. They were like, yeah, this book isn't great. They don't think that the product that she bought is awesome. Uh, But now we understand that it's not very good quality for readers, and sometimes we actually lose money doing it, like we lost money on one children. And they're also interested in making their books better. Uh, We spent money on advertising, but then it wasn't very good quality. So, like, as we were wrapping up, Vitaly wanted to show me this children's book he's been working on to get my feedback on the English translation. So I I would like to know your your opinion about this uh, children's book we are working on uh, that we translated. And uh, there's a little text, and if this book, illustrations and also text, is good, if it can interest American audience, what do you think? Um... Let's see. Okay. Uh, I can read it. (laughs) Once upon a time, Donkey lost his tail. Donkey put up an advertisement on a big oak tree. Then he asked me if I would do some translating for him. To ask Susan maybe more about you and uh, we are also... And I told him I can't do that. Wait, he's like offering you a job? 
Yes. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not sure just because, um, well, I like in the context of like I interviewed you to kind of do a story about your business if I am able to help you. But maybe I can recommend So after that, we left. Uh, Oksana and I were both surprised at how open they were about their business model and just how they are doing everything on Amazon's self-publishing platforms. Um, And then she suggested, like, maybe we could do it, too. I feel like if I, uh, I don't know, wanted to make a little business (laughs) uh, because I can't survive anymore as a freelance journalist, um, I guess I could just, like, learn how to make e-books. Oh, now, so you went into this being like, this is shady business. And by the end of it, you're like, oh, I got myself a side hustle. Yeah. I mean, Dan, I'm a freelance journalist. Like, you need to think like an entrepreneur. And you really just need to be on top of your game. Uh, Well, it just almost feels like um, if you learned a bit of uh, digital technology of making e-books and uh, found a book in public domain, I could just uh, put it out there on Amazon. It was my last day in Kiev, and I had a train to catch that night to go back to Moscow. So I said goodbye to Oksana. Um, I went to buy a cake with a Kiev torch. Yes. I'm going to bring this to my friends in Moscow. Bring them a little taste of Kiev. Um, And then I got a cab to the train station. Um, I got to the train station in Kiev, and I actually ran into some carolers. These guys are, like, singing. And I just kept thinking about what Oksana said about making a book uh, and a side hustle. A lot of people are giving them money. Like, maybe it's for charity. So I decided I was going to do it. Do what? Make a book. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. We're back, and we have Susie and Danielle on the line. So Amazon declined to be interviewed for this story. They wouldn't comment on Strabitsky's business model. Um, They wouldn't comment on this particular book. But the copy of Pride and Prejudice that Danielle bought does technically conform to their rules. So what Strabitsky is doing is technically above board. So it's above board for me to do that too. So Danielle, I wanted to test out exactly – how you can make a book like this using Amazon's 
self-publishing and print-on-demand tools. So um, I made a book, and we're going to send you a copy. Um, I did exactly what Vitaly did. (laughs) Um, We thought about getting you a copy of Pride and Prejudice, but it sounds like you already have enough copies of that book. So I made you a copy of a story called The Adventure of the Cardboard Box. by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, um, the writer of the Sherlock Holmes series. Okay, cool. (laughs) I'm excited to read this. How How did you decide on that? Well, I figured that your copy of Pride and Prejudice probably arrived in a cardboard box. Is that the case? Oh, it, it, maybe it might have been one of those puffy, bubbly envelopes, but I, I like the kind of meta thinking that's going on here. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, because it, it started with a cardboard box and it sent me on an adventure. Um, so I wanted to like tie it up with something on theme. That is perfect. So let me tell you about making this book. On a Saturday morning, after I had gotten back to New York, um, I started the process of publishing the book using Amazon's new self-publishing platform, which is called Kindle Direct Publishing, or KDP. This platform has replaced CreateSpace, which is the one that Strzelbiski was using before, but um, they're both like Amazon uh, self-publishing platforms. I got to work. Um, I started in my pajamas, and I was like, all right, Um, let's do this. I'm in bed. And I'm going to try to publish a classic work of literature on Amazon's self-publishing platform, which is cool. So I needed to find the text. So I went to Gutenberg.org, and I did a search for Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, And so a whole bunch of titles come up, like The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, The Hound of the Baskervilles, The Sign of the Four, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But also um, The Adventure of the Cardboard Box. So I clicked on that. And then on the Kindle Direct Publishing site, there were some instructional videos. Does it make sound? Whoa, yeah, it does make sound. Welcome to KDP Jumpstart, a guide to publishing. This cracked me up, and I think you're going to think this is funny, too. But the actual book that the Kindle Direct Publishing, like, welcome video that explains how to make a book, the example they're using in the template is Pride and Prejudice. What? So they're basically like, here's how you would make a copy of Pride and Prejudice if you were doing that. I set up an account on Kindle Direct Publishing. It's, like, linked to my regular Amazon account. Um, I, like, entered my tax information. So my account number, which I'm not going to read for you. Um, Yeah, so there's, like, a template, and I selected the size. I decided I would make, like, a more normal-sized book. Is, like, tiny type an option? Yes, you can tweak the size. Um, and then it was time to design a cover. Launch, cover, creator. This is not like high quality graphic design work I'm doing here, but uh, it looks better, I guess. Save. And then I ordered a copy. Uh, so this just came in the mail today. And I have not seen this book yet. So I'm going to open this in real time. Does this mean that you're a published author? I don't know. I mean, my name isn't on it. <laughs> Does this mean you're a publisher? I'm a published book creator. Okay, here it comes. Wow. This is a real pamphlet. <laughs> I mean, it's sort of a book. It's very short. It's a book. 
book. And <laughs> define book, Dan. Is there like a legal I mean, term for book versus pamphlet? I think it's a book because it has like a binding on the edge. Like it feels bookish. Mm-hmm. And the cover, <laughs> the cover is a guy wearing a hard hat, carrying a cardboard box, and has a really <laughs> okay. First of all, it says copyright twenty nineteen Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, I just like co- I saw yeah. <laughs> other. I think Strelbitsky said like copyright twenty eighteen Jane Austen. So I was like, okay, that's what I'll do. It was Beyond a little confusing to me, like who holds the copyright? Nobody. Nobody. But yeah. like, there's a there's a place in the template where you put copyright. And then here's the dedication, dedicated to all readers who have received a box that contains something they weren't expecting. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, do you see what I did there, Dan? Oh, I see what you did here. Okay. Danielle, are you satisfied with the service you received today? Totally, yes. This has been great. I'm, I'm really impressed at the amount of work you guys put into this. This is an international mystery investigation. I'm really uh, you guys. What well, You guys went to Russia and Ukraine. So that's, that is not at all something I ever expected happening when I first opened this book, and laughed at this introduction. That's delightful. CC Pulitzer Prizes. Well, uh, thank you so much for calling. Really appreciate it. Bye, Danielle. Thank you, guys. Bye, Susie. Oh, this is like the credits of the show. (laughs) Acknowledgements. What do the acknowledgements say? With thanks to Danielle Kurtzleben. Vitaly Lukanyenka. And then Andre, is that right? Andre Panamarenko. Dan Bobkoff, Amy Padula, and Sarah Wyman, the producers of Household Name. Well, listeners, if you want a fresh copy of The Adventure of the Cardboard Box, uh, you can find it at Amazon because it is perfectly legal to do so. Goodbye, Susie. Do svidaniya, Dan. Or as they say in Ukrainian, do pobachenya. We have a quick update now on an earlier episode. We just learned that the last Panera Cares, the last Panera where you can pay whatever you want, is closing. That's the Boston location we visited in that episode. If you didn't hear it, you can find it in your feed. It was a fascinating experiment, and why the Panera Cares failed is interesting, too. Also, please take a moment and leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter, at Dan Bobkoff. Coming up next week, we've got an episode all about Volkswagen. Did you ever drive an original Volkswagen Beetle back in the day? Maybe you drive one now? Let us know in our Facebook group or send us an email, householdname at insider.com. This episode was reported around the world by Susie Armitage. The producers of Household Name are Sarah Wyman, Amy Padula, and me. Our editor is Gianna Palmer. Sound design and original music by John Delore and Casey Holford. The executive producers are Chris Bannon, Jenny Radelet, and me. Household Name is a production of Insider Audio. Stitcher.